A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 226. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, where psychology and business sit down to chat. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, licensed psychologist, speaker, executive coach, and consultant to entrepreneurs, leadership, and their companies. I believe psychology is the key to adapting and thriving both personally and in business. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for people searching for deeper conversation, deeper insight, and deeper research on psychology and business, where weekly conversations and content spark rare and profound insight, inspiring new awareness, new analysis, and new action. It is my mission to unlock the role of psychology inside every human touchpoint in business, all aimed at simplifying and harnessing psychology principles, skills, and strategies you can learn and apply so you and your business continue to grow and thrive. Grab a proverbial seat and tune in for insightful interviews, scientific research, psychology-based frameworks and reflections, and answers to thought-provoking questions so you can learn and leverage psychology for yourself and your business. Our Insight Sunday conversation is so packed that I just had to share it all with you, which means a double dose of insight this week. In part one, Justin shared the story of founding Markerly along with the pivots that took the company in a completely new direction. We also talked about the definition of an influencer, the psychology underpinning influence, and the role of influence in marketing. In part two, Justin and I continue talking about influence, psychology, and the importance of context and alignment for organizations, their brand, their marketing strategy, and harnessing influencers as a part of a holistic marketing strategy to create more resonance, more impact, and more success. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout. If you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation you can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com coaching. That trust is kind of like that conduit 
for you said this. Well, I know that when you talk about things, I like them. Or when you've shared about products or you've shared about an experience you've had, that that's really resonated for me or it's been really helpful or useful for me. You and I think alike. And so when you share your thought on something, I don't need to go evaluating, reevaluating, or doubting that in the same way. And so that lowers the energy or the, the input required to then make that decision. And that's kind of how that influence works as a mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. Like the more that you trust someone, right, the easier it'll be for them to persuade you. Mm -hmm. Or for them to make a suggestion and you'll choose to follow that suggestion. Yes. And even when that's a choice, even when that's the choice that you're making or that somebody in that community is making, it is a choice that requires less from them or they're going to take less time, energy because of that relationship, because of that trust. That's the reason when a friend recommends a restaurant to us, we say, oh yeah, I would love to go there. Or we kind of get juiced up. We, we get motivated and interested in doing that because of how we understand or experience that relationship. That really lowers the bar. Whereas if we see a big sign that says new restaurant opened up, that's not going to reduce that energy or that input requirement quite as much. It's not going to motivate us as much. We're not going to feel quite as juiced up to go there. Yeah. I also think that it depends on context and mm. You know, if you're if you have a friend that recommends a restaurant, and you know that they are a Chinese, it's a Chinese food restaurant, and mm-hmm. you know that they are aficionados of Chinese food, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're going to trust them even more. But if they like, uh, if you've never eaten Chinese food with them, and you know mm-hmm. you don't know if they've been to many Chinese food restaurants, you might not put as much weight towards it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And to build on top of that, if they recommend a restaurant and you go there and you have a miserable experience, the next time you hear a recommendation from them, you're going to potentially really have more pause. And that kind of speaks back to that trust component. And there's so much context there. There's knowing and having experience and them sharing with you who they are, what's important to them, you know, their fine taste for Chinese food or their sampling of so many different restaurants of Chinese food, as well as what happens when you follow their recommendation. So I want to bring all of that back into the realm of influencer marketing and that being part of a strategy for the whole organization. So how does that translate over? Yeah. So like you mean like, how do we kind of make a business out of this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we work typically either directly with a brand or a brand's agency. And you know we build campaigns, right? And long running programs to activate influencers to create content because typically it's about content creation, right? And that ends up being like a piece that is out in the world that you know kind of is that influence mechanism, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that lives on their social media pages. And yeah, it's very much a content play, right? Like let's find really amazing partners that we feel, you know, fits the brand's ethos, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, who will be the best representative for the campaign Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, get them to create content um, Mm -hmm. to spread the message to their followers. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes actually increasingly more often we are putting ad spend behind those posts because, you know, now, you know, Facebook, TikTok, you know, these various platforms allow you to actually like boost the native content Mm -hmm. to just get more eyeballs to that content. So thinking about how that translates over from the conversation we were having about, you know, recommendation from a friend and context, when it comes to 
really identifying and, and activating an influencer. It's really about finding someone, as you said, who really is aligned with the brand, the values, the ethos of the company. Meaning if the company is a food company and the influencer is someone who really talks a lot about food or who is very well known for having that approach. And maybe it's not just that. Maybe it's also personality pieces. If the brand or the company has playfulness as something that's a part of them, then having somebody who's in an influential space who's really serious or really angry, or that's kind of the way they approach things, or very critical, that might not fit quite as well. And so finding the right fit there is really important. And then connecting them in such a way that the influencer is interested in and chooses to create content, which then the company can kind of boost with that ad spend. It it kind of allows them to cast that net a bit wider. Exactly. And like, (laughs) for example, we do like a lot of work with like state and local governments, right? So like we do like seatbelt campaigns, right? So like, Mm. yeah, like, so we will have to go through like the last year of content that an influencer might've put out just to make sure they're not driving without a seatbelt right uh-huh. and to make sure that they are not you know speeding or like just driving recklessly or right. like you know to make sure that they're strapping their kids in properly and you'd be surprised at how many people have content on their pages um that are in violation of like these laws mm-hmm. so it yeah like i mean that's like a, a little bit of an extreme example but like brand safety in general right mm-hmm. that's a huge deal right like you not only want the influencer, like if you're going to do a food campaign you want them to be a food influencer, but you also want to make sure that, you know, they aren't overly political in their content Mm. because that's divisive. Mm. You also want to make sure that they aren't using profanity if the brand isn't edgy like that, right? Mm -hmm. Some brands, they don't care, you know, like maybe Doritos wouldn't care as much if an influencer Mm -hmm. cursed now every now and then, but like a baby food company might not want that. So it really just depends yeah, there are so many different nuances that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. And a lot of that is so much about the psychology of the people who really belong to that tribe that the brand is interested in and focused on. And also what it's like to experience something that is inconsistent and unwanted among that kind of group, that tribe of people who would be interested in that brand or who the brand really serves. In a sense, it's really about finding much more or increasing resonance between the audience and the companies and the businesses, as well as the influencers. It's it's trying to create increasing amounts of alignment and resonance between all of them. Yeah, exactly. The worst is when a brand, you know, they want like no profanity, for instance, Yet, like everyone who buys their product, right, like follows people that are a little edgier, but mm. they don't know it. So they're at odds with their audience. And they, you know, like, so that actually is very common um, mm. where, you know, like a brand isn't as in touch and they want like that unicorn person mm. who might not necessarily be representative of mm-hmm. the ideal consumer and, and like the people that they are following. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. It sounds like sometimes from the top down, the leadership has this idea of who they want to purchase their product rather than really being open to and interested in the data of who are the people who love our product, who are invested and interested in what it is that we do. And then to turn that around and say, okay, let's 
create more resonance with and reach out to and build more of a community with those people. Let's give these people a bit more of what it is that is meaningful to them or that they connect with. And it's so interesting to see that. One of the things I often talk about when it comes to adaptability is how we need, there are three major components to adapting. The first one is data. Without that data, we don't know if something is a fit or isn't a fit or when we need to change. And whether that in the context of marketing and branding, it's about changing our messaging and changing who it is that we recognize our people. And so that first thing that we need is data. Without that data, we're not going to even know or recognize that there is a mismatch. The second thing is direction. We need to know, okay, are we going this way or that way? You talked before about being divisive or edgy and knowing which direction we need to go in. If you need to go in a wholesome direction, which might be much more the case for baby food versus going in an edgy direction, which might be something a little bit more for a brand that's a bit more edgy or who the users or consumers are more edgy in that sense. And so that's the second component I often talk about, the second D. The third D is drive. It's all about the motivation because the way in which we experience that motivation can either hit the gas or hit the brakes. And in terms of, it sounds like, and I'm kind of applying it here on the fly, in terms of influencer marketing and content and trying to spread that and be aligned, when the messaging is mismatched with the people who are the audience, the community, the users, then it's going to kind of hit the brakes. It's going to tap the brakes on them. They're not going to be quite as motivated as when it's more consistent and aligned with and resonant for them as an experience, that's going to really hit the gas in terms of their motivation. Yeah, exactly. You know, if they're not resonating with it, then they're not going to be as likely to be influenced by that message. Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily going to be want to be influenced by it because ultimately when it comes to an audience, they are selecting themselves in. It's like a concert. People have to purchase tickets to be in the concert. In this case, I know we talk, or I'd mentioned about the attention economy. The resource that's being spent is their time and energy. People will select themselves out of being an audience member for something that really doesn't resonate for them. Totally. Yeah. I mean, time is rather valuable and it's very finite. Um, So people care a lot as to how that time is spent. And, you know, as you're scrolling through a social media feed, right? Like, Mm-hmm. I mean, within like two seconds, if you don't capture someone's attention, they're off to the next thing. Yeah. I wish we had more time because I'm finding this conversation so interesting to dig into kind of the nitty gritty and also the kind of underlying psychological components of this. We are going to need to jump into a couch round. And I want to kick that off with asking you from your perspective, what gets in the way of success more often, our psychology or external factors? So, how I look at it is you know, like external factors that are beyond our control, right? That doesn't matter because it's out of your control. Mm -hmm. All you can do is, you know, try to fix things or, you know, just make sure that you are on track as far as like things that are within your control. Like, so I tend to focus on that and I do everything that is in my control to achieve the outcome that I want. And then I don't beat myself up if there's like some externality that I can't do anything about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can try to change that externality to the best of my ability, but I think that you know, in most cases, like you hit a wall to where you're like, okay, I've done everything that I possibly can do. Mm-hmm. This external force is going to do what it wants to do. I've tried everything I can to change it, so why worry about it, mm-hmm. right? Like I've done it. I've mm-hmm. got nothing to worry about now. Yeah. Next question. 
in your experience, are habits or is adaptability more important to business success? I think they're both important. I don't... Mm. Because if you are super, you know, like if you can adapt, right? Uh, If you're adaptable, that's super helpful. But if you're like scatterbrained and you don't have a routine, you don't have any really great habits, you know, I think that adaptability only gets you so far. Mm -hmm. But if you are super stringent with your habits, right? That's awesome. Like you meditate every day, you read, you work out, you've got your amazing routine, you know, that's awesome. But then what happens when you go on vacation and you're out of your element and you can't adapt, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, your schedule gets, I don't know, changed. Mm -hmm. And then your routine suddenly, like you can't get into your routine. If you can't adapt, then you kind of, you're stuck as well. So I think that they are kind of like, they're like mutually inclusive, right? Yeah. It sounds like they're both necessary. And I think about each of them as a tool that has a use case that's really important to apply it in. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing from you. They need each other. Yeah. Right. They are married to each other because yeah, if you Mm. can adapt, but you are able to, uh, like a habit, like a daily habit Mm -hmm. or routine, right? Yeah. It just doesn't work. The second that you know, things change, right? Like, I don't know. Like and Life I, I throws think, a wrench. Yes, exactly. All um, the gears are stuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah. sounds like a symbiotic relationship. It's very symbiotic, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is mu- mutually inclusive, is that the term? Would you say that? I don't know. I'm trying to think like... Because hmm. they are kind of like... They need each other. I don't know. Yeah. Interdependent. Interdependent. Yeah, yeah that's, that that's comes a better term. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Next... What type of content have you been consuming lately, both for business or pleasure? And then how do you like to consume content? So I like to read. I like to, you know, if I'm driving, I'll listen to podcasts. I like to read nonfiction and I like podcasts for nonfiction typically, unless I am doing it socially, right? Like socially, I'll like watch a movie with my wife or friends, you know, and typically, I like nonfiction, like video stuff, but if in a social situation, it'll typically be, you know, fiction, I think like usually I get my fiction from screens and I get my nonfiction from text. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just like how I like to do it. You know, I've never really been into like reading long, like novels, but I Mm -hmm. read a lot of books about like actual things in the world. So yeah. Great. Next question. What is or are your non-negotiables in life, whether that's routines or values or time that you protect or anything else? I mean, I have I have a routine that I have to do. You know, like I, I have my system that, yeah, I, like I need that. Mm-hmm. Can't go without that, but I can adapt. Like I, I have like a, a travel version of mm-hmm. that and stuff, right? Like, and it's not the end of the world. If I go a day without doing it, I don't beat myself up you know, like family time, like Mm. love the family. So that's always sacred time. And yeah, I think, you know, spending time with friends and yeah, life is short. So got to spend it with people that you care about. Mm -hmm. Sounds like connection is really important to you. Yes. (laughs) This is my my new puppy here. What's puppy's name? His name is Denver. Denver. Hmm. Awesome. So last questions, where and how can people find and connect with you and Markerly and what kind of outreach is welcome versus what may be not so welcome? 
So you can reach out to me via email, justinatmarkerly.com. Um, I'm pretty responsive. You can tweet at me on Twitter. I typically use Twitter like more for, I don't know, like not business. I, I do it for like fun stuff. Like I'm into like crypto and so mm-hmm. I like use it for that. And, you know, like I'll chime into random, you know, like controversial threads, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. But like I'm on that pretty frequently. LinkedIn as well. I post there pretty frequently. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I wanted to say thank you for joining and sharing your thoughts and wisdom when it comes to marketing and influencer marketing and influence. I hope you all today listening got a lot out of our conversation today. I know that I have. And just to recap some of what we talked about, Justin, you shared how your company really evolved out of initially it was going to be almost like a highlighting app or an integrated app where the goal or the mission would be to highlight and annotate all the information on the internet so that people would have the best and the most juicy and important and meaningful kind of quotes and highlights and how the process of doing that really gave you a lot of infrastructure to understand what people's behavior was. And that started shifting into understanding, particularly when it came to blogging and mommy blogs, which was when blogs were coming out, were one of the biggest and most engaged audiences. But that really started shifting and you started noticing that you had all this data and the data was telling you a story. It was telling you something. And it helped you kind of shift your direction, which you did with your company, into really recognizing and understanding how and what resonates between a community and people who are an audience or take in and really find value in content and those who are producing the content. And what that's done for you and, and with Markerly within both you know Fortune 500 companies and government organizations and nonprofits is it's really helped you understand and think about how to create increasing resonance. I know we talked a lot about influence and persuasion and collaboration and community and how all of those fit together. And you talked about it as a tool, which is really about how you use it. And do you use it in ways that really uplift and create more value and benefit each other versus are they just kind of selfish and trying to get people to engage in behaviors they're going to regret or won't necessarily be in their best interest later on. And so we talked a lot about all of these different pieces. So thank you so, so much. And I really can't wait to dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons and learn more next time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 